Welcome to a bonus edition of the NBN pod. I'm Brendan Doyle. Uh, along with me is my NBA draft expert, our our fun NBA draft expert guy who could do this if you wanted to, but doesn't know how to tweet is Matthew Mason. Good uh, to be here. Matt. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for joining us. Um, obviously there's a lot of news um, surrounding William and Mary when it comes to the NBA draft pick as Nathan Knight, uh, in my opinion, the school's best player ever uh, just got signed to a two-way contract with the Atlanta Hawks. Matt, what's your take on this? Well, first of all, do we want to go over what a two-way contract means for your viewers who might not yeah. be as familiar with the NBA? Go ahead. Go ahead, Matt. So uh, a two-way contract is basically a G League contract with the option that they can play a limited number of games with the NBA team. That's why it's called a two-way. It's because you can you know, go back and forth between G League and the NBA. So if you know players get injured, you don't have to go sign a free agent. You get to call up your two-way guys instead of you know just being stuck. Yes. Yes. So he's got that G League deal with a significant amount of guaranteed money uh, and with the option of getting called up to the NBA. Um, how do you think Nate did uh, getting that deal? How do you think the choice of Atlanta uh, looks for him? All that stuff. Well, I think going ahead and getting a two way and, you know, not having to worry about the summer league or any of that could be really important. Because um, what you see with a lot of undrafted players is they get what's called an Exhibit 10 contract, which is basically a you're allowed to come to our training camp, but there's no guarantee you'll be on our team when the season starts. And so getting that locked in money in a two-way shows that the Hawks at least have some level of confidence he has a chance to be a productive NBA player down the line. You know, it's not they're actually putting at least some level of investment into him, which, you know, it's obviously a fantastic sign. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It it seems like he's really going to hopefully at some point get a real shot to uh, prove himself at the NBA, at least in, in America, American professional basketball level, whether it be G League and then move up to NBA or or otherwise. Uh, can you take us through a little bit about uh, Atlanta's situation, expect, especially when it comes to depth with big men and, and what you see from Nate, if he's going to possibly get a chance to play in the NBA so far this year, or if it's going to be a little bit, do you think? Well, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for him to get a lot of minutes this year, because I mean, if you just look at the draft that the Hawks just had, they took another center, six, number six overall. You don't take a guy at number six overall unless you expect him to be you know, your future of that position. And then you add in the fact that they already have Clint Capella under contract for three more years. So they just paid a first round pick to the Rockets to get, and he's due 20 some million dollars. So again, that's not a player that you signed a two way guy expecting him to take minutes from him. So I think the, the Hawks are do, sort of doing this as a more of a developmental two way contract. You know, they, they expect him to, you know, play in the G league and develop, and maybe he can be a player for them in the future. Not so much, uh, you know, maybe he can fill in some gaps first this year though. It is a COVID year. You know, there's going to be a lot of people missing games because of possible exposure and you might have some people start opting out. So if there's, you know, if there's any a year to be buried on the depth chart and still maybe start getting some minutes, this might be the year to do it. So, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. We're in the pandemic, but oddly enough, it might help Nate out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right there. Um, when it comes to the Hawks as a team, as scheme wise or, or, or team fit, 
how do you think Nate would fit into the Hawks organization and what they tried to do on the court? I think the one thing when you're talking about the Atlanta Hawks is, you know, does he fit in with the Hawks or whatever? It's just you have to say, does he fit with Trey Young? Trey Young is their future. He is who are they building around. He is their chance to be an elite team. Every decision the Hawks make will be in regards to how does this player play with Trey Young? And, you know, I think that's actually a pretty decent fit. Um, Trey Young is one of the best passers in the league. Any big that plays with him is going to get opportunities to finish around the rim. Um, any big that plays with him is going to be used in the pick and pop and get open threes, which, as we discussed, is something that maybe Nate could become adept at for an NBA big. So I think that works really well. Um, it's not a great fit defensively because, you know, Trey Young at this point in his career has been tissue paper on defense. So you really want more of a traditional shot blocker like a Clint Capella back there, you know, playing on the back line. But I don't think that's a huge concern at this moment because it's not like they're going to expect Nate Knight to come in ever and really play 35 minutes a game and get two blocks. He'll, you know, he'll come in as an offensive spark plug, you know, get some baskets, maybe get some energy going. So I, I, if I were him, I'd be really happy. I'd also just, the second I have a chance, you know, calling Trey Young, messaging Trey Young, seeing if he wants to practice because uh, if he likes him, then he's going to have a place on that team. Yeah, yeah. In in such a star forward league, um, if you get in with, you know, your team's building block uh in, in Trey Young, you're gonna have a chance. Uh if if he wants you to play, you're gonna you're gonna get a chance to play. So yeah. uh I mean you see this all the time in the NBA. I mean, you know, the Lakers signed Giannis's brother, maybe so they could make a run at him, and then you see um James Jones would follow wherever LeBron went for years and never play, but every team that wanted LeBron just had to sign James Jones because he liked him. And you know, you don't <laughs> you don't say no to a star over a end of the bench guy ever. So, you know, maybe maybe they can form a friendship. They're kind of around the same age, so you never know. That could <laughs> be kind of a good idea to him to kind of buddy buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're right. Um here, I'm gonna read a couple of so ESPN had a pretty good scouting report, I thought, on Nate. Uh, they had him at 65 overall on their big board. I'm just going to go with a couple of passages to see what you think. Um, as one of the most skilled big men in college basketball, Knight likely would have been a lock to be drafted in the first round a decade or two ago. In addition to the soft touch he shows from the free throw line, he began to add three pointers to his arsenal this past season while also demonstrating some ball handling and passing ability as well, drawing fouls and bunches over the course of his career. Knight's poor lateral quickness and lack of explosiveness getting off the ground are major issues projecting him to the NBA level. At just six foot eight barefoot, which I don't think is true, Knight may struggle to find a position to defend, but is very likely to have his pick of two-way contract offers if he goes undrafted, which we saw ended up being the case. Uh, that fits in pretty well with your take on his NBA prospects. Yeah, I think what really spot on is he would have been a first, he could have been a first-round pick even just 10 years ago because, you know, power forwards were many centers. They weren't expected to shoot. They weren't expected to guard smaller guys. You know, they were able to no one really cared if your power forward was a little bit slower because just the game was played differently. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. have guys. You have guys now that are you know playing power forward that in any other generation would have been small forwards because you know they were a little smaller, but they're quick and can shoot, and you know that's the premium in today's NBA, which is might which is what Nate might struggle with. Yeah, yeah. His his defense is really the one area that you look at and. You're like that might be what keeps him out of uh, 
uh, out of, out of, out of lineups, um, that, and if he fails to develop into a legitimate NBA shooter. I do wonder at times, you know, he has such sort of lateral explosiveness on offense. You can see that because he can take guys off the dribble pretty well, that if some of his, you know, slow feet on defense and being bad at guarding on the perimeter, how much of that is coachable? You know, how much of that is his stance and, you know, not to knock Willie and Mary, but they don't exactly have NBA level athletic trainers to really, you know, work to, you know, open up his hip flexibility and that kind of thing. So you know, that might be another thing that he should really work on in the G League is maybe he can get quick enough to survive a little bit at power forward. And that could be another way he gets some more minutes. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch his development and just sort of what the Hawks want to turn him into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it will definitely be fun to watch that. Uh, and as Nate uh, heads on down to... The ATL, uh, multiple former CAA players are headed over to Charlotte, North Carolina to join the Hornets there. Grant Riller was drafted at uh, 57th overall, um, a lot later than many of the the experts and pundits might have thought. And Nate Darling signed a two-way deal uh, overnight to head there as well. it's always good to get CAA guys in, in the league. Uh, it's good for the league. It's good for exposure. Um, Matt, give me just give me a postmortem of the last couple of days when it comes to the NBA draft and, and how it uh, looks for CAA players. Well, I think Grant Briller is in a sort of a very odd spot in Charlotte right now because, you know, Charlotte just drafted LaMelo Ball, number three overall. He's going to be a point guard. Um, Devontae Graham, who was in the running for most improved player in the entire NBA last year is a point guard. And they just spent a lot of money signing Terry Rozier, who of course is a point guard. So it's going to be kind of just interesting to see how that all plays out. And I think in a way, Grant Riller is their backup point guard insurance because if LaMelo pans out and he's a great NBA player, they're going to trade Terry Rozier. They're not going to pay their backup point guard $18 million a year. So, and, you know, Devontae Graham is a free agent soon. So I think they're hoping that, you know, Grant Roller might come in. He might not play a lot at first, but by drafting him 56, it shows that I think they feel comfortable that he could be, you know, a third point guard, even a backup point guard as this team matures and grows. And Nate Darling, I don't, I'm, a, I'm still just kind of surprised he even got a two-way contract. I, I don't really see his path to being a, even a passable NBA player because he's going to be terrible on defense. He's not very big. He's not very strong. He's not very quick. He'll just get absolutely blown by any time he's on the court. He's going to have to come in and shoot like, you know, Seth Curry numbers, shoot 40-some percent from three to even have a chance of making it in the league. Yeah, yeah. I I think I agree with your your take on on Darling, of course. Uh, When it comes to Riller, uh, I know I was texting you last night, we were both surprised that he fell all the way to 57th. You know, there are a lot of people that you trust when it comes to the draft people that, you know, both of us read um, that had him, you know, either late first or early second. And he almost made it all the way to, to the end of the draft without getting his name called. Uh, What, what was your, your take on that? Why did you think that happened? 
there were a lot of very interesting decisions when it came to drafting point guards, you know, end of the first round into the second round. Um, almost everyone had Nico Mannion as a top, maybe even a top 20 pick. He fell all the way down to 49, you know, and Great Riller was sort of going to be at least in the top 40. He fell all the way down to, you know, mid 50s. So that can either be, you know, the more teams saw him on tape and the more they studied him, he kind of, you know, they kind of lost interest or, a lot of times what happens is, you know, a team will be picking 40th overall and they'll call Grant Riller's agent and say, we're going to draft Grant Riller. And sometimes the agent will say, no, we don't want to play for you. And, you know, you could draft us if you want, but do me a favor and don't. And a lot of times teams will honor that in the second round. They'll, you know, I, I think a famous example is Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet had a lot of people who wanted to draft him. He said, no, I want to choose my own team because I think it's better for me. So that might could that could have been Grant Real or might have you know he might have had a lot of talks with Charlotte. Charlotte might have really wanted him, and so if they made a promise to draft him, he might have felt that they had the, enough faith in him that he would sort of pass on these opportunities from other teams. Which I think there's a good chance that that happened. You know, he, if Charlotte really liked him and they said, "You come here, you're going to get a chance," he would probably signal that he didn't want anyone else to draft him. Yep, yep, yeah. I think that would be a certainly a reason why that would happen um but yeah grant really gets drafted uh saw this stat today uh here are the conferences with players who've been drafted in each of the last two years the acc big 12 big east big 10 mountain west pac 12 sec and the caa so always good to to have that sort of talent in your league um we're kind of starting a little bit fresh this year with a lot of youth and inexperience but uh, the CAA is a talented league, and and hopefully it starts to get some of the um, some of the 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 watch it deserves, some of the some of the hype it deserves. So, yeah, got a lot of good academic schools that can draw some, you know, that can draw people in that you know maybe they're not as high level as recruits, they still don't see their NBA future, so they want to go to a little bit better school, and then those players turn out to be good. Yeah, well, you see it with. Charleston's had a number of those players through the years. Hofstra's had a couple of those players through the years. Um, uh, recent years, of course, um, Justin Wright Foreman and Terrell Brantley are the two guys who got drafted last year from Hofstra and Charleston, respectively. But yeah, um, I, I do think to, to put their name back on the map, CAA doesn't just need draft picks, but they probably need a, a tournament run or something sometime soon just to, to get people thinking about them again. Yeah, I think people uh, need to start talking about the CAA as one of the better coached basketball leagues out there right now. I would agree. Yeah, there are a lot of very good coaches. Um, obviously, our our alma mater, but uh, Bill Cohen at Northeastern is a great coach. Earl Grant at Charleston is a great coach. Uh, Joe Mihalik at Hofstra is a very good coach. Um, definitely great developing uh, young talent. Yeah, you don't take a guy like Nathan Knight, who was, you know, as a freshman, he was good, but wasn't a top end athlete and was raw and turn that into an NBA player. That's, that's just fantastic coaching and a lot of hard work on Nate's part as well. But you can't, you can't leave out the impact that shave Tony Shaver and Dane Fisher had in his development. Yeah, definitely. And, and assistant coaches too. Can't leave that out. Cause Absolutely. I know I've seen the the work that, that some of those guys did with him and, and it was a lot, uh, but congrats to Nate. Uh, you know, great to see, somebody from the college uh, rising through the ranks of professional basketball in uh, in the world. And hopefully we'll see him out there for the Atlanta Hawks sooner rather than later. That would be uh, really, really cool to watch. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Matt, for joining us. Uh, just get a little quick bumper episode here with the the breaking news from today of Nate signing. Um, yeah, but we'll be back next week. We have some special guests on our next episode. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled um, and your ears open as well, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Go Tribe.